All right, go to Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19, verse, read just one verse, verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The last part of that verse is what we're going to talk about tonight. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. One thing you're going to find out if you hang around church very long at all, you've probably already found this out, that you're going to see a lot of things that are just going to get a little confusing sometime and maybe even cause you to scratch your head. For example, maybe somebody will get up and you know you hear, you know, you'll read the Bible and you'll see some of the commands of God. Uh, and you start learning, you know what's right and what's wrong. But sometimes, you know, people will give a testimony. For example, if I was to give a testimony, like, you know, the other day I was just I was just praying, and I, we, I was having some financial problems, and I was just praying that the Lord would bless me. And boy, I didn't know what to do, and so I, you know, we really needed this money, and I decided instead of tithing, I would buy lottery tickets with that money. And I did. I went and I bought the lottery tickets and I won the lottery. And if you hear a testimony like that, and you know, I just, I'm so thankful that the Lord blessed my gambling. Okay. Now, that kind of testimony is going to be very confusing because you're going to be like, wait a minute. You're not supposed to gamble, for one. You're definitely not supposed to rob God with your tithe. And to rob God so you can gamble. You shouldn't really get blessed with that, should you? And it's going to be kind of confusing. People will say things like that. I mean, I've had people talk about how, you know, they, I mean, they were so thankful that the how the Lord blessed them with their new wife, you know, when their other one was still alive. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I don't know necessarily that the Lord's really in that. <laughs> and, and listen, he could, you know, maybe, maybe he's giving, you know. People that have been to divorce and think God can still bless them later, but you know, don't blame God for those things. And sometimes people, their testimonies, they don't line up with the Bible. It can get really, really confusing. You know, the, hey, I had this problem with my neighbor, and boy, I just I prayed, you know, Lord, please, you know, help me to do the right thing. And finally, I just got fed up and I killed him, and I managed to, you know, hide the body, and now I don't, and I didn't get in trouble, and now everything's okay. And I just so thankful the Lord helped me in that. Now. God, sorry, God's not in that. But some of the testimonies that people will give, I mean, just they don't make a whole lot of sense, and they don't for sure. They for sure don't line up with the Bible. And the Bible says in here that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In other words, when a testimony and a testimony too, it's more than just like a story that we tell about what God did. You know, a testimony is kind of like when if. Uh, if you're in court and you go and you're put on the stand and you are called to be a witness for somebody, you're going to go there and you're going to give your testimony. You're going to give your account of what happened. That's a testimony that you're giving. And people, the goal of that testimony is to, one, help the jury understand what you're talking about so they will believe you know, you know that you want them to believe you, so you got to make sure your testimony makes sense. And those lawyers, they'll get up there, they'll try to confuse you, they'll try to make your testimony conflict, 
your words conflict and you not make sense. And uh, they, they, if you don't have a good, sure, solid testimony, it's not going to do that person any good. In fact, it might even get them in more trouble. And many Christian people today, they don't have a very good testimony. The testimony of their mouth, the testimony of their life, it doesn't line up with the Bible. And therefore, they are not very successful in winning people over to the cause of Christ. And so, and really, there are, there's two types of testimonies we're going to look at tonight. And both of these testimonies should line up with the Bible. And if they do, they're of the Lord. If they don't, then they're not. And they might be close. It's like, well, it's close. But you got to remember that Satan, he's the master counterfeiter. And a counterfeiter, they try to make things look for real. Okay, they don't use monopoly money for counterfeit money. They are going to use money that looks real, something that will be convincing. And so, uh, the first testimony that we want to talk about is the testimony of our mouth. Psalms chapter 78, verse 1, if you want to turn over there, the testimony of our mouth. What comes out of our mouth? The things that, uh, you know, there are so many cliches and things that have just become a part of religion these days. Some of the things that people will say that are just, that are so stupid and that are so unbiblical and, you know, and sometimes, you know, you don't want to be you know, you don't want to be like that kid in school that knows everything that's always correcting everybody. You know, maybe always correcting everybody's grammar and correcting everybody's facts when they don't exactly get them right. But sometimes I'll be out, maybe I'll be out door knocking and witnessing, and then people maybe want, you know, they know I'm the pastor and they'll want to impress me with their theology and stuff. And so they'll start just spouting off these things that they've heard repeated a million times. They'll start quoting verses that aren't in the Bible. Well, like, you know, the Lord, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Well, sorry, that's not in the Bible. You know, they'll say things about how, you know, well, I mean, you know, we're all God's children. That is one that I hear all the time. And just all these little cliches that don't line up with the Bible. But people believe those things. And they, I mean, they go down some wrong paths. You know, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, really what you believe just as long as you're sincere about what you believe. And I'm sorry, that's absolutely foolish too. Because really, I mean, if you want to go if you want to look at sincerity, I think some of the most sincere people in the world are Muslims. And that's not uh, they're not going to heaven. So the testimony of our mouth, Psalm seventy eight verse one says, um, oh, give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children. You notice he says, listen to the words of my mouth. These things that I'm about to say, we are supposed to take them and tell them to our children. They're supposed to tell them to their children. Listen to the testimony of my mouth. It's What I'm going to say is truth. And boy, that is so important. You know, these days we're more interested in how somebody says something than we are in what they actually say. For example, our president. He is a very good 
speaker. The guy can read a teleprompter really good. And boy, you know, he knows how to just talk and how to say everything and just make people feel good. But people rarely look at what he says. And what he says is not real exciting. But boy, he's sure good at saying it. I mean, man, sometimes I'll hear him talking about things and if it wasn't for the fact I'm paying attention to the words, I'd be getting excited. But you know what? You've got you to listen to the words. People don't do that. They, they just see... They look more at how they present themselves and how they say things. And a lot of these preachers that are out there today, I mean, they just get up there and they talk so nice. And boy, they know how to smile. I mean, you got guys like Joel Osteen that just, I mean, makes you just feel so happy when you hear those sweet words come out of his mouth. But they rarely actually listen to what he is saying. And one of the things they don't pay, and they especially don't pay attention to what he is not saying. And you rarely, rarely hear him quoting Bible. You're not going to hear a lot of Bible from that guy. And what we say is so important because that's, I mean, uh, we're we're trying to pass these things down, and it needs to be truth. We have a responsibility to protect our verbal testimony. As a pastor, it's so important to me that what I'm telling people. And what I'm teaching is accurate. Because, you know, unfortunately, hopefully nobody in here is like this, and I don't think you are. But, you know, I hope people don't come to this church and just blindly go along with what I say. Alright? And hopefully they go back and they check the Word of God first, and then do it because the Bible says it. Because, you know, I can get things wrong. And I try. I try to do it right, I try to be accurate. But uh, it's and it's very important that we do that, and that's why I try to use a lot of scripture with any message I have. I got a, a text verse that's kind of the message is based off of. For each point, I like to make sure I have some scripture to go along with it that it's not just opinion. And Psalms 119 verse 88 says, "Quicken me after Thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of Thy mouth." Keeping that testimony, and notice how he says, "The testimony I will keep the testimony." Of thy mouth. Okay, I don't want people saying, oh, these, this religion that I follow, you know, this is what Pastor Tommy teaches. No, it should be, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. Well, you know, you know, if you're having a theological argument, well, my pastor says this. Well, who cares? It's the testimony. We got to keep the testimony of God's mouth. If it becomes, you know, your words versus somebody else's words, you're not going to win them over. If it's my words versus somebody else's words, it's all it's all going to come down to opinion. It's not going to matter. We've got to keep the testimony of God, the testimony of His mouth. That's why we got to make sure we stick to what the Bible says. But the only Bible that most people know today is really what we show them and what we tell them. I mean, it's amazing sometimes whenever you do call people out on some of their goofy theology and you show them Scripture verses. like, I didn't know anything about that. And Because one thing that most people have in their heads is that the Bible is the Word of God. Even Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, they'll say things like, the Bible, is, you know, the Bible is the Word of God. And when you can show them something in there, it... Makes it hard, but you gotta know where it's at. The last time I had a Jehovah's Witness stop at my house, we got on all these rabbit trails and things in the Bible. We got to talk about Abraham. And I remember I mentioned Abraham remarrying. 
Keturah. He's like, Abraham never got married after Keturah. I was like, yeah, he did. It's like he got married and he even had kids. He's like, Abraham never had kids after Isaac. And I went and I took the Bible and I showed it to him. And he looked and he saw that. And he was like, I've never... And this guy, he was an older fellow. He was one of the head guys in the Jehovah's Witness church here in town and never seen it before. And it's hard to argue with that stuff. And if it was just me coming up with it, well, who really cares? And, you know, we all speculate to a certain extent on some things in the Bible. But the stuff that's really important is what the Bible says. That's stuff we can count on. And that's what we need to make sure that we stick to. We need to make sure what we say lines up with the Scripture. So there's the testimony of our mouth. And then there's the testimony of our actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about the the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. When Jesus was on earth, He had some words and things that He said. There were some things that He taught. And the term Christian, it came from the Antioch. They looked at those Christians in Antioch and said they are Christians, they are like Christ. These people do the things that Jesus taught. They they knew about the words of Christ. They knew about the things that He taught and they saw what these people were doing. They saw the things that they were saying and it reminded them of Christ. And so they they called them Christians. And it wasn't even necessarily a compliment when they did that. But that's kind of how that name took off. And there are certain actions that ought to be a part of our life as Christians. Our testimony, it's more than just what we say. Our testimony is also what we do. It's what other people say about us. You know, what if we were to go, uh, you know, if there was to be a trial to see, find out whether or not you were a Christian, would you be found guilty? If we called your neighbors up, hey, this individual here, are they a Christian? Have you seen any evidence that they're a Christian? Life? Well, you know, I saw him cuss. He cussed me out the other day because I, you know, walked in his yard. You know, he, uh, you know, I mean, I'm always hearing him just blaring the rock music and hear all the foul language and stuff that's coming from his house. Uh, yeah, I've never really seen anything remind him being a Christian. I've never seen him help anybody, and never, you know, what what would they say? The people that you work with, your coworkers, yeah. um He's always telling a lot of dirty jokes at work. You know, he this guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I hear him blaspheming the name of God all the time. You know, what would what what's our testimony? And all they're going to do is they're going to talk about our actions. They're going to talk about what we do. I mean, I worked with a guy one time who was a Christian, and boy, he liked to talk about he was a Christian. He was a good Christian. He'd be the first one to tell you he was a good Christian. For this guy, 
He didn't live like it at all. And people noticed it. Lost people. And they didn't like it because this guy, he did. He liked to talk about how good of a Christian he was. And even lost people could tell that he wasn't. His actions, that testimony of his actions didn't line up with anything in the Bible or anything that they knew about Jesus Christ. And our actions should line up with what we say we believe. We say we believe the Bible. Okay, that means we believe the love your enemies part. Doesn't mean we like it, but it means it means we agree with it, and so therefore there ought to be some evidence that we do it. They, we say we believe the Bible. The Bible says that you ought to be a witness, so that means we should be being a witness. That we ought to love one another. The Bible, you know, the, we say we believe the Bible, but the Bible says you know you ought to go to church. You know, are we doing these things? Does the testimony of our actions line up with what we say we believe, and what we say what we say we believe? Should always line up with the Bible. There's a lot of people they like to talk about what they believe, but they rarely give scriptures to back it up. You know, you can be talking to them, hey, you know, well, the Bible says this. Well, this is what I believe. Who cares? Oh, I I just feel this way. You know what? I could I even be able to agree with you on that. I feel the same way. Well, what does the Bible say? That's what it comes down to. That's what's really important. And when we do the opposite, it causes confusion. When we are saying one thing and doing something else, it's going to cause confusion. If I say that I am married to Cassandra, but I'm living somewhere else with another family, y'all are going to be scratching your heads a little bit. Wait a minute. Something's wrong here. If I and if I say I'm a Christian and if I and I'm doing things that are opposite, it's gonna cause confusion, and confusion is not of the Lord. Go to first Corinthians chapter fourteen, and I guess I've been really saying all this to it's all kind of leading up to really this part here. And I want to show you we're gonna look at a few examples of confusion. But 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion. And let's just be honest, there's a lot of confusing things that we're seeing in churches today and in the lives of people today. A lot of confusing things in religion. And the Bible says that back to that first verse, that the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. If we are doing things according to the Word of God, it will cause a person who was simple concerning what was right and wrong to become wise concerning what's right and wrong. They will understand it. We will be better teachers. Uh, you know, when you, I remember when I was in school, sometimes in my math, you know, I wasn't the best student in the world in math. And there were things that I just couldn't figure it out. I tried to figure it out on my own. And sometimes you just have to go for help. And there are some people that, some teachers that were a little better than others at enlightening you and making you wise in an area where you were simple. Sometimes they, I remember when I was teaching, there was a couple times where I told people the wrong way to do things. And then later I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I told him that. And it confused him a lot. And when we, as a church and as Christians, 
If we get off the Word of God, we are only going to confuse people. And the reason many people today are getting out of church, getting away from religion, is they are just completely confused. And confusion only comes from the devil. And just a few examples of confusion in the Bible. Alright? And these things here, they're ones that aren't, some of these aren't necessarily popular, but it's in the Bible, and confusion is the word that's used. And one, in this passage we just looked at, for God is not the author of confusion. The next verse, verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Okay, now, not a real popular verse of Scripture right there, as you can understand. Uh, the gender-neutral Bibles, I think they've kind of taken care of that, uh, so no ladies get offended on that. But that is what the Bible says. But you know what? There's a lot of churches you can go to today, and you go look at the sign, you know, Pastor Mary something. And, hey, I'm sorry, I know this is 2013, and we live in America, but that is not biblical. That uh, God, there's a, the pastor is supposed to be the husband of one wife, and whenever we get outside that, it starts causing confusion. And people, uh, the husband is supposed to be the head of the wife. We see that in this passage. We see that throughout the Bible. But yet, so many kids today are growing up confused in their families because that's not the case in their family. Mom is the boss. In their family. Or dad is just not around, period. And it gets confusing, and people, they don't know. You know, they don't know what's right. They're making a lot of bad decisions. And it's because they got off the Word of God. They got off the correct path. We look at uh, some of the religions and some of the goofy things that they're teaching. And you look at the leadership in those churches. And I'm not saying. That it's just because you know women can't figure out the Bible and women can't figure out sound doctrine. That's not true at all. But we see in the Bible that God specifically commanded that the men are supposed to be the leaders in the church. And because we don't want to offend people, we've decided, well, we're going to veer off of that. And all we're doing is causing confusion in the churches. God is not the author of that. God said how to do it. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Right after that, uh, He mentions... Hey, God's not the author of confusion. And then He tells them, let your women keep silence in the churches. We, uh, this is, and don't ever let people make you, make you think that we are against women in our church. That is absolutely not true. But this is the way the Bible set it up. If we are against women because we do not think they are, uh, if we are sexist because we don't think women ought to take leadership in the church, then we are also sexist because we don't believe that men should have babies. It's just, it's not natural. It's not normal. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way God set it up. And then another example is in Leviticus chapter 20. Also, improper physical relationships. Leviticus chapter 20, and this you know gets into some stuff that's a little graphic and gross. It says, If a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. There's 
Uh, when it comes to marriage and things and the husband and wife relationship and the physical relationship, it's supposed to be between a husband and a wife. And it's clear in the Bible there are some people that you should not marry. There are close relatives that you are not supposed to marry, that you are not supposed to have relationship with. The Bible says it is confusion. I was just uh, reading or watching something about how in some of the countries, a lot of these elitist people, they thought that they were so above everybody that they would only marry in certain families and there there was kind of uh, some inbreeding going on and it caused a lot of physical problems. It causes a lot of diseases and things. It really messes people up. And it's confusion. It also says in verse 13, "...if a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death." their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. If a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto any beast and lie down thereto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And it just goes on with all, it gives all these examples that do not do this. This is wicked. It is confusion, and that's the world we live in today. That it is, we are confused in this country about who can get married. I mean, I just can't even believe we're debating that the the marriage debate. I mean, it's the most ridiculous, absurd thing I've ever heard of in my life. And you know what? Our country is obviously very confused when we have whole states voting in favor of gay marriage and things. I mean, we are talking about a confused people. And what happened? Why did everybody get so confused? Well, I think a lot of it is, I think all of it is because we have veered off what the Bible says when it comes to proper physical relationships. And it's really very simple. It's one man and one woman after marriage. I mean, it's that simple. But, you know, I don't know if I like that. And so we've got we've gone off all these different directions, and look at how confused our society is. Kids these days, young kids, you know, when you talk about things like this, it they look at you confused. Are you saying it's not? A, I mean, they're being taught total opposite, and when they hear the truth, they're it's they're they're getting confused. And I'm telling you, God is not the author of that confusion. But also, another thing that can cause confusion. Unqualified people giving advice. Job chapter 10, verse 15. Job chapter 10, verse 15. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion, therefore see thou mine affliction. Now, I'm, I don't know for sure. I'm speculating a little bit here, but Job is, he was a very righteous man of God. I mean, he feared God, he hated evil. But Joseph, or Job right here, he's very confused. He's been, now, well, you say, well, it's because he's been through a lot. You know, he lost all his kids, he lost all his possessions. But you know why I think Job was so confused? He's been sitting there for a few days with his friends, giving him a bunch of stupid advice. I mean, his friends, some of the things they were saying were absolutely ridiculous. And later, God straightens it all out. God straightens Job out. God straightens his friends out. But he's getting all this bad advice from people and he's full of confusion. And let me tell you, you get your advice from the wrong people, you're going to be very confused. 
I can tell you right now, you don't want to come to me to get advice on how to fix your car. I'll get you confused real fast. <laughs> you know, you got to make sure that you go. Uh, and I tell a lot of people when it comes to uh, the decisions of life and what uh, morality and things, they're getting their advice from the wrong people. I promise, if you get your political views and your moral views from the women on the View, you're going to be a very confused person. I mean, if you get your marriage counsel from people like Oprah, you're going to be confused. These people are not qualified to be giving people advice. And they get people so goofed up in the head all the time and people don't know what's going on. They're so confused. And you're getting advice from the wrong place. we got young men and young women who are in these you know, dating relationships and they're so confused now because they just that you know they're not having this happiness like it's supposed to work out in the movies. You know why they're getting their advice from Hollywood? How they how they date, how they uh, you know do everything. It's what they see on television. And they are very confused. I mean, you want to talk about a group of people that are confused these days, teenagers. Very confused. Why are teenagers always so confused? Why are they always so frustrated and so rebellious? Well, one of the reasons is because they are dating. Teenagers, I mean, good night. We've got 13, 14, 15-year-olds having relationships with boys and girls. You're going to have confused kids. Sorry. It's just that's the way it works. You need to wait until they're grown up. You need to wait until they're adults. But, uh, hey, they're getting their advice from Hollywood. And in Hollywood... It's okay. They're confused. Also, another thing that will cause confusion we see in the Bible, James 3, verse 16. James 3, 16. I didn't put that one down. I have to look that one up. This one, I've seen this I've seen this one in action quite a bit in my life. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now James, it's, it's talking to a church, I believe. And let me tell you, if we start having that in the church, we're going to be a very confused people. Envying and strife. Strife, whenever there's fighting and stuff going on in church, that really confuses people. It really does. It confuses the people that are fighting with each other. It confuses people maybe who are just coming in like, hey, these people are they go to church. These people are Christians. They're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Why are they fighting like this? The Bible says that the world knows that we are in 1 John. I'm not going to quote this right, but that's one of the ways that we know we're a Christian because we love the brethren. That is evidence to us that we are saved. It's evidence to the world that we're saved when we love one another. But when we start fighting with each other in a church, it's going to cause a lot of confusion. And it's envy that causes the strife. But that will bring confusion. Where envy and strife is, there is going to be confusion. And let me tell you something too. You know, Once again, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. People, you would think that when people are fighting with each other in churches, when there's church splits and things going on, I mean, it's usually... The people on both sides, they both think they're doing the Lord's work. But I don't see anywhere in the Bible where that is ever the Lord's work. It's just, you don't see it, but boy, people, they do. They get mad. They think they're in. It confuses a lot of people. 
There's a lot of people today who will not go to church because they were in a church where there was envying and strife. And it confused them. It didn't make sense to them. That testimony that they saw from maybe the pastor and some of the people in the church, it confused them. And the Bible says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Do we make the Bible make sense to people? Does our life, our lifestyle, does it, does it make sense? You know, people, or when you get saved, there's supposed to be a change in your life. And I think even the lost understand that. And when they see that change take place, it, it makes sense. And sometimes they'll even try to test you a little bit because they get convicted. Maybe they'll try to yank your chain a little bit just to see if they can get you to mess up because they know, hey, if this guy's really saved, all right, he shouldn't be doing these things. And if they can get you to do it, I think it makes them feel a little bit better. But what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to mess with your testimony. And I worked with a guy that actually was from this area. I've looked him up in the phone book and stuff. I'd like to find this fella. If I can, I don't know if he still lives in the area, but he drove all the way to Spring Valley to work out there. And I remember one, and this character, he was, he was pretty rotten. But I remember I saw, I saw a little change in him. And he came and told me that he had gotten saved. That his girlfriend was a Christian and she got him in church and he got saved and he started trying to clean up his act. And boy, the people there at work, they really were giving it to him. And it was, it was very hard on him. And you know what? He lost his religion a couple times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not saying that he wasn't saved or anything, but boy, they did. They tested, they, they did not want his testimony being the kind that shook because it would have convicted them. And so they tried to get it off. And, and these people too, they don't even know the Bible. There's just some things that I think we all instinctively understand that's in us. But we live in a world today that's full of confusion because people are just doing and saying whatever they want. And it doesn't make sense. And we can't be the ones doing that. We've got to make sure that what we say, that what we do lines up with the Word of God. If we're going to make a difference, if we're going to help anybody, if we're going to, if we're going to be able to stand out from the dozens and dozens of other churches in this area, most of which are probably not preaching the Word of God, we've got to make sure that when people come to our church, that when people see our lives, that it makes sense that we help them get it. It's like you see in those cartoons they'll have the light bulb come above people's head. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just felt enlightened? Where it was all, okay, I get it now. It all makes sense. That's what we're supposed to do for other people. There's a lot people don't understand about God and about religion and about Christ. And we ought, our testimony ought to make it clear to them and help them understand it. And I know if, if we stick to the Word of God, you'll be okay. So let's all stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.